This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. Today, you're listening to episode 347, and my guest is returning guest, Emily Durgan. Emily was first on the podcast. I think it was the summer of 2020. She was episode 274. So if you want to get a little intro to Emily, check out that episode. So much has changed in her life since we first talked on the show. When we first talked, she had recently announced joining the Under Armour Dark Sky Distance team in Flagstaff, and she had really just begun taking her professional running to the next level. And so since then, so much has happened. Um, This past summer in 2021, she just had a really big year. At first, she placed ninth at the Olympic trials in the 10,000 meters against a pretty stacked field. She then went on to four times place in the top three at a U.S. road champ race. She placed second at Peachtree in a time of 31.49, and that's a 10K. She shared the podium with Sarah Hall and Annie Frisbee at that race, Annie Frisbee, who just ran really well in her debut marathon in New York, I might add. And she also ran a half marathon PR, a big PR. She ran 69.49. So a big year for Emily. And we decided it was time to have her back on the podcast and hear what she's up to. She also recently switched from Under Armour to Adidas sponsor-wise. So we talk about the reasoning behind that and what all of that has looked like for her. Okay, friends, this episode of the podcast, I want to thank the Donna Marathon for continuing to support this podcast, and I am so excited to go to the Donna Marathon this coming February to do the half marathon. They have a 5K, a half marathon, a marathon, and a relay event. This race supports the Donna Foundation, which helps people walking through breast cancer diagnosis and funds groundbreaking resource. This is a supportive, fun, and exciting day of celebration at the Donna Marathon weekend. It's the weekend of February 6th down in Jacksonville, Florida. What better time to go to Florida than in February? And I'm going to have a really fun meetup the Saturday before the race. The race is on Sunday, uh, the half marathon and the marathon is. And we're going to have a meetup on that Saturday around lunchtime the day before the race and I would love to meet as many of you as possible. Really truly it's a great time of year to get out, run a race, have a goal, escape the cold if you're in the cold and support a really really great cause. You all can go to breastcancermarathon.com, use the code Lindsay10, that's Lindsay10 and that'll get you 10% off any of the races with the Donna Marathon weekend. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that I've been a big fan of the Donna Marathon Weekend for years now. And if you've been thinking you should do it some year, this should be your year. Get signed up and join us in Jacksonville. Uh, All right, friends, leave us a rating and review if you're enjoying this podcast. And that would be hugely appreciated from me and Emma, my assistant who edits and works really hard behind the scenes here. We would really appreciate your support. 
through a simple rating interview on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening. It takes about probably 60 seconds unless you want to leave like a really long review. Um, and that's just super helpful in helping us grow the show, which we're really passionate about. So I uh, appreciate all of you who have already done so and really encourage you all to support the show in that way. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Emily Durgan. All right, everybody, we are welcoming Emily Durgan back to the show. Welcome back, Emily. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me back. So exciting. I feel like so many things in your world have changed and you've had such a great summer and fall of racing. So congratulations. Thank you so much. It was it was a really fun summer and it feels nice to just be back in Flagstaff and um, back back working. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking through your Instagram and I can't believe you've been there for three years now. I know. I know. I can't, I can't either, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's becoming to feel more like home. So that's good. Yeah. So do you live like, cause I noticed you said you came into town to get coffee. So do you live like on the outskirts or in a suburb? Um, so we live on the East side okay. out towards the continental country club. Yeah. So we have a condo out here. So kind of closer to like the mall area. So it is a little bit removed from town, but it's really nice. It's quiet out here. You kind of have a more like older population, but <laughs> we love it. And the running around here is perfect. Like out my door, I have so many great trails on the east side. So I, I love it. Oh, that's so good. Okay. So where do we start? There are so many ways to go. When we first talked, you had pretty recently signed with Under Armour. You had a new contract with them. It was your first real professional running contract since then you've moved on and you've signed with adidas uh so maybe let's start there what's up with the switch yeah no awesome um so really had had no idea that a brand change was going to be happening had signed with under armor in 2019 and then i re-signed during the pandemic in um the beginning of 2021 i signed a new contract like basically through 2024. And then a lot of things happened this, this year with like the shoe, um, the shoes changing and, you know, companies being a little more, um, giving leeway to certain athletes to race in other shoes and all that. So basically Under Armour as a company wasn't able to allow athletes to compete in different brands. Um, so the, what they ended up doing, working with the agents, they decided to say, Hey, if athletes want to compete in a different brand, we'll let them basically like suspend their contract or, um, you know, so that they can run in different brands. Long story short, I had had really no intentions of running in other brand shoes. I was really happy with, with Under Armour and, um, you know, was working with them on building a road shoe and we were working really close on that. And as for the track, like. I knew I was going to be competing in the Olympic trials, but I, you know, didn't feel like it was worth it to run in a different brand's shoes because I just didn't think that I, this wasn't going to be my year that I was really trying to make an Olympic team. I was just trying to be there for experience, you know? So, um, yes. So race in Under Armour and then just continue to run super well. And then, you know, basically brands, knew that Under Armour was letting athletes do this. So then that's when uh, Adidas basically reached out to my agent and asked kind of like what my plan was for the future. And 
it was kind of just a great opportunity that presented itself. So I really couldn't say, say no to it. Um, especially getting ready to move up to the longer distance, like going to a brand that already has shoes and, you know, is really established. Um, it was really kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity that I really couldn't turn down. So what did that look like then for Under Armour? They allowed you to then break the contract and move on to Adidas? Exactly. Yep. So because they allowed, you know, pretty much every athlete to to do that, um, that was kind of like the way that I was able to get out of my contract early. And it's it's pretty, you know, well known. There's a lot of athletes that had had that did that. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that Under Armour lost some top athletes, but in a way it also gave them an opportunity to um, bring in new athletes and kind of re rebrand the group. So we have new athletes here in Flagstaff that, you know, some that are just graduating from college, some that have been in the sport for a few years that are signing their first pro deal. So it honestly, it kind of worked out for, for both parties in my, in my mind. And I think that Under Armour would, would agree. So, okay. My question is, I, well, I have a couple questions about shoes and your thoughts on that, but first yeah. of all, is the Dark Sky Group, because I know Shayla moved on, is the Dark Sky yep. Group still a thing? Yeah, yep. So it is um, still a thing. They kind of are in the process. You should probably see here in the next couple of weeks that they are basically have rebranded the group. They, they've brought in a bunch of new women and, and men. So, um, you know, Sharon is still part of that group. Okay. Um, she's actually home right now for a little bit. But, yeah, they signed um, actually one of the – members is staying with me holly archer and she's from the uk so oh, cool. 1500 yeah so now she's with them and um matt yano um marathoner yep. so yeah they still have uh, some of the core people and then they added a few um recent college grads so you'll be seeing kind of an announcement very soon so yeah stephen haas is still leading that and works working super hard to continue to build that group and um I'm still very close, obviously, with Stephen. He's my agent, yeah, but I thought also he was. with um, with the people that I've that I worked with at Under Armour. So um, I know that they, you know, have invested a lot of time and, and money into the group, and it's going to continue to develop over the next few years. And obviously, I was sad to to leave it, but it kind of was like a business decision more than anything. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. It sounds like you left in a really healthy way, considering Stephen was coaching the group, is coaching the group. He's your agent. Adidas comes to your agent who's in charge of this Under Armour group and right. you're able to like make this in a really clean and healthy way. I It seems like, I don't know. I don't know if it happens that healthy all the time, you know? Yeah, I mean, I have feel, I've felt super fortunate with the way that, you know, my, my agent has handled everything. And at the end of the day, like they're looking out for the athlete's best interest long term, you know, financially. So there, while he was my coach and kind of trying to form this dark sky group, he knew that like, okay, like, you know, first and foremost, these I'm representing these athletes in in their life, like for their career. So um, he was really honest about that. And we kind of, yeah, had to take some time and talk about it and say, you know, is this, is this worth it? Is it a good opportunity to do this? And, and it ended up being the the best situation for me. And, um, I'm sure if it was a different situation for different athletes, he would handle it the same way. So I, I do feel very fortunate that, um, it was kind of a clean, um, switch and yeah, cause you're right. I think that sometimes it can be a little, a little bit more difficult, which is unfortunate. 
Yeah, I mean, sounds like he's really a stand-up guy. I've actually never met him, but it just makes me think like, I don't know, if you're trying to build this group and then Emily starts having like all these amazing races, did really right. well at the Olympic trials. I mean, I know you said your ultimate goal wasn't necessarily to make the team this year, but ninth place, that's a really good showing, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So I feel like you'd selfishly want to be like, I want her on my team, you know? But the fact that he truly was like, no, for her best interest, financially, longevity in the sport, shoe technology, all the things, this is where she needs to go. So I'm so happy that you had that experience. Yeah, thank you. And it's, yeah, and like I said, it was something that kind of happened, like, all of a sudden. I had no idea, like, that it was going to even be an option. So um, it kind of happened very, very quickly. And um, but also I knew it was the right move. So yeah, here we are now. And, and like I said, the group is still growing and, um, there, I get to see, um, the shoes and how they're kind of continuing. Cause obviously I was working so closely with the shoe team for so long and then they've continued to kind of, um, improve the, uh, racing flats. And I've got to see, um, the, how that's been developing with Under Armour. And it's really cool because they are continuing to, to move forward, which, um, which I always knew they were going to do, of course. Um, so, okay, with shoe technology, uh, I don't talk about it a ton because I think it's kind of boring. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I've heard I've heard people like, for instance, I've heard like Ryan Hall on a podcast talk about like how those old American records, like they're always going to be like super notable and important you know, marks in history, for instance, I'll just bring up Dina Castor's American record of 219 in the marathon, right? Well, when somebody finally breaks that American record, it's going to be with like so much shoe technology advancement from when she ran it. So there's almost like a before and after, right? So I'm so curious because this was one of the big reasons you moved to Adidas, like how much of a difference does it really make? I know. Well, (laughs) I... In, in a way, I was a little na- naive because I had never run in a super shoe. Um, yeah. So, I mean, my first, it's kind of funny. Like I signed with Adidas and then I, the first race that I even ran, like was the peach tree. And I, and I was the first time I had run and at this time. It was like the old, um, adios pros, like before the new ones even came out. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I ran super well in that race, but I also was very fit as too so I mean the shoes definitely play some part into it how much of like you know like seconds and all this I have no idea I think it really depends on um you know person to person was I going to make an Olympic team if I was in like the dragonflies at the trials no I I wasn't you know so I just don't I, I don't quite know what it's you know we could kind of talk mathematically but it's really just varies person to person but I do find that the biggest thing is with these, um, the new shoe technology is more of like the recovery and, and being able to almost like train harder. Um, you can do harder sessions and not feel so beat up the next day. So I think the benefit is more coming from um, the training side than it is actually like racing in them um, personally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Clear that up. If anybody's yeah. wondering, it's so funny. I always just think it's funny when I see like, so many everyday runners wearing like alpha flies I've like literally never worn a shoe like that and I just can't I can't imagine 
throwing all my eggs into that like so many eggs into that basket as like an amateur runner but I guess if you you know I guess as an amateur runner if I was like okay I'm gonna try to break three hours in the marathon I will I would do every single little step I possibly could to make that difference oh for sure and at the end of the day like I mean our sport is I mean, 50% physical, 50, 50% mental. I think it's that much mental. I mean, you know, we're all training hard. Like we're all doing the same stuff, but like, it really comes down to, you know, standing on that line and like just being confident in what you're wearing on your feet, you know, what you look like physically, you know, whether, you know, just being happy with yourself. And I think a lot of that is the mental side of things that if you're wearing shoes that like make you feel good, you're going to run well. So um, yeah, I think that it also can be quite mental with, with the footwear. Well, I mean, that's so true too. I mean, it's so like basic, but that's what people say. They're like, if you look good, feel good, right. get a good exactly. race outfit, get, get you a nice kit and you feel, you know, put, put a little bit of makeup on, get your hair yeah. up nice. You feel good. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I do think, uh, we're, we're all, we're all at the end of the day. I mean, us, you know, the top distance runners in in the US are all doing relatively the same thing. And you know, on race day it's just it's just who who feels more confident and you know, who trusts themselves the most. So, yeah. <laughs> so you were feeling confident this summer. You have four top 3 finishes at US Road Champs, a half marathon PR, ninth at the Olympic Trials in the 10,000. Uh what led to this confidence? What led to this shift? Just years of training? Tell us all the things. What was your mental game? I don't, yeah, I'm not really sure where the shift happened. I mean, I think it was a beginning of 2021 when I went out to Las Vegas and, and ran that half marathon um, with Sarah Pagano and Molly Seidel. Um, and then Sarah Pagano's fiance actually paced us. And um, it's funny now because now I'm being coached by Terrence and Sarah Pagano will be like one of my training partners. And I remember being there and her saying like, oh, we're going to, we're going to run 520 pace. Like Reed's going to pace us for that. Like you should just run with us. And I was like, oh my gosh, that seems like really fast. <laughs> and, um, and that was the time that Shayla was over, like, overseeing all my workouts and her and Steven were coaching me. So she, so I remember texting her and she said, go with it. Like, you know, what you've been doing and training like that, that makes sense. So I think that that was kind of the shift. Um, and, and it's funny because people that watch that race, like I remember, at the time, I was also training with Allie Kiefer, and she was the one that also said that I could could run a half marathon um, in sub-70 because she had seen my training. And I remember after the race, she was like, it was fun watching you because I could we could see you, like, commit to the pace, then get a little nervous, and you kind of would back off. And then she's like, you would, like, go back on the pace. And I really think that that, that race is probably where the turning point was. And just having so many people around me see my training and like just telling me to commit to it and just see what happens. Um, and then being able to come away with, with a really big PR, I think that's what gave me the confidence and kind of like that. I was like, all right, my training's working. Let's, let's continue to, um, to go after these, these fast times and run with, with these top women and not, not kind of put myself in like the middle or the, the back of the pack, mm -hmm. but really put myself in, in the front of the race and, um, and then kind of from then on out that that's what I did in certain races, obviously I felt better than others. And, um, yeah, but that was definitely, I think the turning point and most of people that were watching me closely and training saw that that's kind of where I shifted more of that confidence. What was your final time for that race? I know it was 69, 40, 
49, I believe. 49, yeah. Yeah, something like 47, 40, I don't know, somewhere in the high 40s. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, 69, 47, 49, whatever it was, it's like breaking that 70 minute barrier. Did you feel like, yeah. oh, this gets me to another level? For sure. For sure. I mean, that, yeah, that me and Sarah um, running the sub 70, you know, put, put us in the top 16 US Times ever. Um, so that was really cool. You know, we are, yeah, now we're in the same ball group with, with Molly and, um, with Shalane and with Emily Sisson and Molly Huddle, you know, we're in that like range now, um, and Sarah Hall. So it was just really cool to finally be like, okay, like, you know, like we can, we can do this. Um, so that was exciting. So I'm excited to, to train for another half and get to, try to even even go faster yeah what was it like training with Allie Kiefer oh she was so awesome yeah I I don't know if she's coming back or not but last winter we spent a lot of time together she kind of just was like jumping in and out of our of our sessions and um came down to, to Scottsdale for some track workouts and yeah it, it was just a lot of fun to because I also had looked up to her for for years um she was someone that you should like kick my butt, you know? So then training with her also gave me the confidence because she was, she was very like, okay, like when I, when I was doing these workouts is when I was in my best shape. And yeah, so it was just cool to, to, to be able to run and train with someone that had done things that I wanted to do. Um, yeah. So I hope she comes back maybe this winter. I know she's out in Texas right now and getting back in a good groove. Hey friends, a quick break here to thank Lily Trotters for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you are looking for a compression sock, this is where you need to look. They are strong enough for a marathon, comfortable enough to wear for hours, and pretty enough to wear almost anywhere. They also are thin enough to fit into any of your favorite shoes, super comfortable, and you get a 25% discount when you use the code ANOTHER. So that's a pretty massive discount on Lily Trotters. They have crew socks that happen to me be my absolute favorite. Um, The compression socks are great for working out, for travel, if you're sitting or standing a lot, if you're pregnant, they're great for vein health. There are so many great reasons to wear compression socks and they just feel really good. I don't know why, when I have compression socks on, I feel like a certain kind of comfort and coziness. This is also a woman-owned business and They've been supporting this podcast for five years. This is the longest running sponsor we have. And I just really love to support their business and hope that if you guys are looking for compression socks, that you will definitely give Lily Trotters a shot. This is also a great gift idea for your runner friends in your life. If you have a gift exchange or anything like that, um, this is a great gift idea at a great price point. And I don't know about you, but I would love some Lily Trotters. So that's something to think about. All right. So go to lilytrotters.com, use the code ANOTHER, and that will get you 25% off your order. Okay, friends, back to the show. Um, so Peachtree, you got second place. You shared the podium with Sarah Hall and Annie Frisbee, which... Mm-hmm. Tell me, did her debut at the New York City Marathon make you like a little bit excited to run a marathon someday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I okay, not not surprised at all. I was actually um, messaging with with my dad during it, and I was like, you know, like watch out for Annie, like she's gonna do well. So him and I had both 
because I didn't really know Annie that well. She's quite a bit younger, not quite a bit younger, but I think she's only like, she's like not even 24 yet. Wow. So I'm pretty sure. So yeah, she was like a little bit before me in college. So I didn't know her super well, but I I knew she was coached by um, Andrea Grove McDonough, who I was coached by for a year at UConn. Okay. So yeah, that connection. And then I, and then I remember like, yeah, after that, after that peach tree race, like meeting her and her kind of telling me her summer of racing, she was getting, getting healthy and getting ready for New York marathon. And then, um, just following her all summer, I I knew that she was going to have a great marathon debut just with, you know, having fun this summer and running those shorter races and, but also getting the mileage in just like talking her, talking with her at the past few races we were in together. Um, I knew she was going to do something great, but that was like, I mean, her time on New York I, and putting herself in that front, like, ah, uh, yes, it definitely made me be like, wow, this is, this makes me excited for my first, first one for sure. Yeah. It was interesting to see her like up front like that. But I mean, I feel like she was probably like, okay, like, you know, nobody else is leading. We're all running the same pace here. And I noticed the top three Africans who finished were like kind of nestled back. And then at 17, they were like, OK, we're going to make our move now. And then the, she kind of laid the, the winner kind of laid the hammer down again at the very end. She was just like, see you later. But right. I imagine for your first marathon, that would be intimidating because you're like with everybody. But you're like, why am I leading? But you can't just like jostle around and just like, you know, get yourself out of the front. Yeah, but going back to like the whole confidence thing, I think she built so much confidence this summer, like running so well in all those US championship races and and the other races that that she did. I mean, she was a front runner in in most of those races as as well. Um yeah, 10 mile champs, she was she was leading there. Um if I remember correctly seeing some of the clips and um in and then Peachtree with me and Sarah, she was was leading with us as well. So I think she built a lot of confidence in those shorter distance races and, um, you know, was running uh, next to these top U.S. women. So then when she got there, it really, she wasn't in unknown territory. She she belonged in the front. And that's what it goes back to. It's really cool to to see people like, like her and I put myself in that same group that we're kind of building this confidence to you know, to look next to us and be like, Oh, it's Sarah Hall. Oh, Hey, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like this is normal. Or like, and, and that's, and that also comes with, with being out in Flagstaff and, and, and training with people like Molly as well. So then when you get into a race, you just are more comfortable running next to these people that don't seem so superhuman as maybe they did a few years ago. Yeah. And I'm probably going to say this wrong. Was she the third American though? Um, yes. So, and then Kellen Taylor was second. So yeah, Molly, Kellen, Annie. Yep. Who is Laura? Laura Thweet. Yeah. Laura Thweet. Yeah. That's, that is a, that is a very, very impressive debut in the marathon, let alone like a world marathon major. Oh yes. Amazing. Yeah. It's been so fun to walk, to watch all of them. And another, another one, Emma Bates, I actually listened to her podcast with you when I was, yeah, I've actually been, um, cross, I was cross training a little bit, um, few weeks ago, just kind of slowly getting back into fall training. And so I like listening to podcasts when I'm like, yeah. oh, have to um, and she's another one that I got to kind of like see all summer, like running these races, like as part of her training. And it was just so awesome for her to be like, I'm doing these races to get ready for my big one, you know, and kind of being able to like, like, I remember Falmouth, she's like, I'm trying to run seven miles at my goal marathon pace. Mm. And like, 
her being able to like show up to those races and be like, this is part of the plan and not getting like caught up in like maybe not being in the front of the race. Like I just admired so much and like clearly, you know, she stuck to the plan and it paid off in the end. And I think that is also her believing in, in Joe so much. Um, but yeah, it was fun to like get to see her all summer and like Diane, same thing. They did these races and then they went and did like 13 miles after, you know, but it was their way of like, let's have fun training for these marathons by running these races, but let's not get caught up in like, oh, you know, some of these women that are ending their season are going to be a little more speedier than us right now. Um, so that's just cool for me to see. Cause I hope that like when I get ready for my marathon, I can kind of do the same thing. Cause the summer races are so fun and, and it's, and if you can use that as part of your training, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so interesting too, because you think an elite athlete is going to show up and like put it all out there every single yeah. race, but everybody's strategy is a little bit different. Like exactly. Emma putting it all out there for Chicago. That was uh -huh. the goal. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about your coaching shift. You're working with Terrence Mahoon. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you're working with Terrence Mahoon now. Um, why did you make that shift and why did you choose Terrence? So back to obviously running that half I had, well, I mean, it even goes back even further. So when I was being coached by Mark Coogan and living, living in Boston, Terrence was with the BAA. So he left Boston similar to the same time as me and went to San Diego. So I had already known him through Sarah, Elena, people that were coached under him in Boston. And, you know, they always said amazing things about, about him. And then Sarah moved to San Diego to be, to continue to be coached by him. And then they came out to Flagstaff a couple times. So the most recent time was this past spring that we matched up pretty much the entire spring, which was great. So um, Terrence and Steven also have a good relationship and um, were able to, to match me and Sarah up quite a bit. So I got to know him even more then, which was, which was awesome. So then signing with Adidas, um, I really didn't have, like, I wasn't being told like you need to be coached by a certain person, but, um, for me and like then talking to Steven, you know, with him still continuing with the dark sky group and being mainly with all Under Armour athletes, I just felt like, like it would be best for me to move on to a coach that's with all Adidas people. And it made the most sense moving, wanting to move up in distance to have somebody like Sarah to train with um, and all that. So that was kind of where my decision came from. And a huge part of it was because Steven and Terrence, I knew that we would, they would still collaborate and like work well together that it made it super easy. I mean, the same idea with going from Mark to Steven, like they still, when, when Mark's girls are in town, they do a lot of stuff with Steven's group. So I feel very lucky that now I've had like three coaches that like are all very similar in ways, um, but also have good relationships that they've kind of stayed, kept me on the same track, you know? So it wasn't like I changed my training at all going from Steven to Terrence. It was kind of just continuing it over. So um, yeah, the decision was super easy and yeah, I didn't really have to think much about it. Okay, so what does moving up in distance really look like for you? You ran the 10K trials mm -hmm. and you ran that half. What's like the 
what's the idea? Like, what do you want to happen next? Yeah. So right now, so we were super excited about the fall and I was going to run some more this year, but we actually have decided to take a little bit of a step back and not, I won't be racing at the U S half champs, just having such a great summer. Um, I took some time off and I think we just like jumped back in too fast. And like, I just mentally and physically probably wasn't ready as much as I really wanted to keep racing. Uh, my body just needed more time. So we're, we're scratching the rest of the year and really right now just working on like getting stronger. So doing like a ton of stuff in the gym, um, and then slowly building my mileage so that eventually I will be ready to, to run a marathon, um, probably in the next 10, 12, a year, probably. Okay. We're looking at next fall. Next fall, it probably is going to look like. So moving forward, um, yeah, just continuing to, to get a little bit faster in the half marathon. I'm not ready to step away from the track yet. And then ultimately, uh, running the trials for the marathon in 2024, which isn't that far away. (laughs) What makes you want to go for the marathon over the 10,000 for 2024 trials? Yeah, I just, I mean, I I think that you can definitely do both as well. So, you know, run the marathon trials. If it doesn't go how you plan it, you can always reset and jump, jump back to the track. So I've seen, you know, like someone like Emily Sisson do that this year and, um, yeah. And she's someone that has shown me like, just because you run a marathon doesn't mean you can't go and run 1450 in the 5k. So, um, yeah. So she's kind of like someone that I really look up to with how, how she trains. And I think she shifts, like she'll do like her high volume and then these, you know, get ready for a marathon, but then she'll back off and like work on her speed. So that's kind of like what I want to do for the next three years is kind of just mix and match the, the high volume run a marathon, but then, switch back and and do some track stuff. I think that that, and then you just never get bored. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine because you could get burnout marathon training, but if you can get back on the track and focus on that. So then, um, does Terrence have other athletes that are on that same kind of rhythm where they want to bump up to the marathon and then bounce down back down to the 10,000? Yeah, I think that's something that like Sarah um, will do. So she obviously trained and ran Chicago just for her first marathon because she was kind of um, vice versa, getting a little burnt down the track. Like it was just she was sick of chasing a times and all that. So she's like, let's train for a marathon. But now um, I won't be surprised if if she switches back and says, all right, let's go try to run a fast 10K um, just to kind of. Yeah, like I was saying, kind of just get to switch that mentality and. And it does get a little exhausting, like being on, like, just like even this past spring, like being on the track and like, oh, like constantly trying to hit like certain times. And um, I think a lot of, a lot of us at the 10K trials, we're all talking like, oh, I can't wait just to get back on the roads and like, forget about trying to run 3125, you know, because all of us were like, just trying to chase that time for almost two years. Um, so yeah, but I, I think that in a few months, I'll, I'll be ready to go back and chase chase some fast times though yeah you know who I immediately think of when I think of someone who is having a lot of fun really focused and doing really well but doing what her heart like tells her to do do you know who I'm gonna say I don't know no I can think of a few people but yeah okay I was gonna say Grayson Murphy oh yes yes 
for sure. Yeah. She, her balance, she's figured out her balance. Yeah. Yeah. Like what makes me happy? I still want to pursue this to the highest possible level. I mean, was it sixth place in steeplechase at the trials? Something like that. And like winning all these mountain races, like, but she's, she's all in, but she's like, I'm not going to burn myself out doing the same thing over and over again. I'm going to do what makes me happy. And ultimately that's going to make, you know, excellent athlete. No, for sure. Yeah, it's been so awesome to see her um, kind of develop because I remember talking to her years ago when she moved out to Flagstaff and you could just kind of tell that like the spark for running was kind of dying and and she and she kind of recognized that so quickly and um, and then kind of was able to go off and do her own thing and, and then switch to the trails. And I think she's inspired like a lot of other women to kind of do a similar thing. So um I will never be a trail runner, (laughs) but I love watching. I love watching what they do. Um, Yeah. I don't really love, I don't like like mud. I, in like, no, no, I, I, I like it's, it's interesting and I'm glad that people like it, but it's, it's not for me. It looks, oh gosh, I don't even like hiking. (laughs) Equally important to recognize that too. It's so, it's so funny because I feel like, I don't know, being like a, an athlete and a runner, just, you know, not a professional one, but like you feel like you should be into like camping and hiking and outdoors. And I'm kind of like, I want my bed. I like, would like to think I like to camp, but I don't. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we didn't, we didn't grow up doing any of that. So like, I've never been like camping. Like I've never been like, we've never done like a tent. I think the biggest thing we did probably was like in my backyard because I wanted to so bad, but I think it also depends on like where you come from. So that was just like, that wasn't like our family, family trips. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So anyways, um, not, not huge into like the trail scene and all that either, but, um, every once in a while I'll go out on a single track here and then I'll fall and then I'll just not go back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, I know that like, obviously you won't make any decisions on what marathon you'll run anytime soon. And once you do, it has to have this official announcement. I know how that goes, but like, are there a couple that you're like, Ooh, this would be a great debut. Yeah. So first I always like wanted Boston because it was like, I'm from Maine, like new England, like all my friends could come watch me. Um, you know, and then you start to hear about how that course could be like a really tough first one. Like you got to really work on like the downhill running. So yeah, but someone like Elena did that for her first one and she crushed it. Um, but also I do know she's a very good downhill runner, just racing against her for like a number of years. She's just so long legs, lets herself fly. So maybe won't be the best one for me, but then watching New York and seeing like Annie, you know, I think a very similar runner to me and like Molly, I think that like that might be a good first one and then can always do Boston when I'm a little more experienced, I guess. Um, But the energy at New York just seems so awesome. And I obviously have run the 5k a number of times and then have watched it. So it's like, that's made me like, love the New York marathon and obviously New York row runners. And I've gotten to know everyone who works there. It just like, they just really do an awesome job. So I don't know. Shout out to New York row runners. Maybe they'll <laughs> invite you out. I'm invite sure they you. will. Um, I will say the New York city marathon, people probably get sick of hearing me say this. It is just, it's good. <laughs> it's a yeah. really, it's I I've done, 
of the majors I've done, Chicago, Boston, and New York. And New York is just, it's, I just, you can't compare anything to it. See, I, I, I haven't even run it. And just being there for the weekend, like, I, I would agree. Yeah. The so. crowds are incredible. And I actually, like, I really liked that course. It was really fun. Like, the, the hills for me were actually enjoyable because it like switches it up and I do agree with you I feel like Boston is a really big gamble for the first marathon yeah yeah and obviously um having Terrence like so he's also the one that told me that because I guess me I don't really know marathons yet but so he's the one that said all right well Boston if you really want to do that as your first marathon like we would need to like go out and actually run the course first and he's like I'd want you to see it so um, yeah, that's another thing with, with obviously having him in my life now, he, he just is so experienced and has like trained athletes for all of these marathons. So he, um, has like more insight and can kind of share with me before I decide. So that's, that is very helpful too. Oh yeah. Um, Do you think he would have yeah. you run the entire course? Like in one? Oh yeah. Yeah. In one yeah, run? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or yeah. Or at least like, you know, the two like mile, like 22 or something like yeah. that. Um, but no, he's like, yeah, he definitely has his athletes like go out there and like run the course. And yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I even as far as like doing workouts on stretches of the course too. Yeah. Yeah. Hey everybody. A uh, quick break here to let you know that I have training plans on my website that I created. They are 14-week half marathon training plans and 18-week marathon training plans. So 18 weeks is a little long for a marathon training plan, I will say. But the first four weeks is definitely a base builder. It's nothing too intense on most of those plans. And so depending on where you are in your fitness, you could probably jump in like week four. But anyway, if you go to my website, lindsayhine.com, there is a shop tab and that lists all the training plans I have. Uh, For the half marathon, I have like a beginner, then I have a beginner to intermediate, then I have an intermediate, and then I have an advance. I couldn't quite boil down to just three plans for the half marathon because I thought there was such a big difference between a true beginner half marathon plan and a true intermediate plan. So I I did a bridge plan. Um, But when you go to my website, it breaks down like how many miles per week each plan peaks out at and things like that. And with each plan, they come with pace charts. So if you have a goal for a certain time you want to run in the half or the full marathon, um, there's a pace charts that will help you target paces for workouts and things like that. Um, There's also videos that have detailed pre and post run stretching and strength routines dynamic stretching that I highly recommend everybody do to try their best to stay injury free. And there's also a great key that breaks down what all the workouts mean. Um, I created these plans with a lot of love and also years of experience coaching runners. So if you're trying to Boston qualify or break four hours or you have some big goal like that, I definitely recommend checking out the training plans. Um, I also am coaching athletes. I coach a very small roster and finishing up this season, I will probably have about three openings for coaching clients. If you're looking to run a half or a full marathon, or you have a goal to run your first 5k, whatever it is, um, you can learn more when you go to lindsayhine.com 
to learn about the coaching services as well as the training plans we have to offer. I also create custom training plans. So if you don't want to invest so much as to getting a coach to walk you through your training throughout the entire cycle, but you think a pre-made plan is too general for what you want to do, um, I have athlete questionnaires and I take into account your post history, all you've been through, your experience, where you are now with your fitness and what your goals are. And I can create custom plans for you. Um, just had someone use one of my custom plans that qualified for Boston at Indy Monumental this weekend. So that was really fun to see. And another athlete I coach also just qualified for Boston in New York City. Another one broke two hours in the half marathon for the first time. We had some great successes this weekend on my little, small little roster of athletes that I work with. So um, I don't promote this much, but I thought coming off this exciting marathon weekend, I would let you all know those are the services I offer and I would love to work with you if that's something you're interested in. Um, lindsayhine.com is my website and then you can always email me lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com to learn more. Okay, friends, back to the rest of my conversation with Emily Durgan. Okay, so you mentioned the half marathon being like the big turning point for you, but of all of the U.S. champs finishes, the trials, all the successes this summer, what would you say is like, I'm the most proud of this moment? I think it's just like all of the races together and just like, you know, and being consistent. And that was like the mm -hmm. biggest thing in our sport is like, there's, you know, you can have one great race or this, but it's like being consistent. And just like, every time you show up, just like being able, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to win every day, every time, because winning is really tough and it, it, everything has to line up perfectly. And, and also like, I have yet to win a U.S. title. Like I just, so um, close. I know as bad as, as I've wanted it, I just, it, the, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't lined up perfectly, but you know, being able to be consistent and even maybe on an off day, um, still finishing in the top three. Um, that's really what I'm most proud of is just, yeah. Um, like something like the, the 20 K champs, like I really wanted to, to do one last race and it was a stretch to kind of keep going that long because I had, I had been going for so long. Um, and then going into that race, like I definitely didn't feel as great as I had in the other races. Um, but being able to just like stay composed and like finish and uh, still come in top three on like, yeah, on like a tired body and a long summer, I was really happy with. And I think that again, and then we kind of had to take a step back and, and say like, okay, because we went this far, now we really need to to reset and and unfortunately i i had to miss out on the 25k champs and the half champs but you can't do everything um and that and that's something that i've also had to come to terms with as well but the biggest thing that i'm proud of is just being consistent and yeah and learning that like just because you're having kind of an off day still being able to finish and compete well is is huge um i think that's really smart though because it's like so often you want to like build, build, build on the fitness and like you had such a good summer and fall and you're like, I want to keep going. But at some point, like the return isn't there anymore and you end, wind up getting injured or burn out. So do you yeah. feel like healthy and good about this decision? I do. Yeah. And I think honestly, like 
so many things also happened. Like we were always planning on taking downtime after 20 K champs and, and I got to 20 K champs and everything was still feeling good. Just more like, you know, mentally, like really excited for a break. And then I thought that I'd be able to take like two weeks and like want to jump right back into it. And then I got COVID. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah um so then like the covid happened and then i think that like i had like the half champs like in my head like okay now i only have like seven weeks for half champs like we got to get going and then i had um a little like nothing crazy but it was like a flare-up in my glutes um so then i was like oh well probably ramped up my training a little too quick <laughs> so then we um we're like all right let's just back off forget about racing the rest of this year and then really get to build on the strength and then building mileage instead of training for a race. Um, so I think it, my, my body was the one that kind of, I had to, had to tell me because my mind, I wanted to yeah. keep going. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So t- talk to the listeners who need to listen to their 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 body I feel like a lot of people are hesitant to do that they want to keep keep burning and churning and burning and churning and we wind up injured yeah injured or sick or or just like mentally exhausted so um there's only like a really a really short time that you can just be that like ultra focused so um, and I think that like, I just like stretched that for like a really long time this summer. And I got to ride that fitness for so long that like, now I really have to let my body just come back around. And in a way, like I had to allow myself to like get out of shape so that I could like build for another year. And it's been kind of funny. Cause like the more and more I talk around, like obviously still super close to the new balance girls, um, they sometimes come out in the fall and like get like a good stint in and like this fall they're like we're not gonna come out like we just need to be home we just need to like slowly build um because last year was just really long and 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 it was a grind I mean from if you think about it those sound running races were early December and then we raced all the way you know if you think about all the diamond leagues that went all the way until September like that December to September that was insane that that's so much Yeah. So I think that, um, a lot of people are kind of in the same boat. That's like, we kind of have to have a more chill, a more chill fall, um, with the world being, um, really less than a year away now. Wow. When, when are, when are the worlds? So, well, the trials will be in, uh, I think they're in late June this year. So earlier than normal. So will you race the 10,000? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the plan. Um, for sure. As long as, as long as the training's going well and hopefully I can, um, run those standard, they'll keep it the same. So at 31, 25, so hopefully jump in and, and run a fast 10 K, but Hey, you can, you can plan all you want, but things change. Yeah, so no, it's so you just, true. You kind of gotta, gotta go, go with the flow, but things have gone so great so far. It's like, why mess it up? Let's just, Let's just get strong and, and look forward to next year instead of trying to squeeze in more races this year. Once you start getting greedy, that's when yes. bad things happen. <laughs> I Yeah, I love that. That's so true. I know. Well, and I asked that. I said that because I know a lot of people just ran the New York City Marathon or mm-hmm. did, you know, there's lots of ra- fall races that are wrapping up and it's like, yeah. This would be a great time to like chill and enjoy the holidays and take like 
an entire week off of running and just yeah. like, yeah, focus on the other things. Exactly. And, and it's like, it's so important to do all that. And I feel lucky that even though I was got to race all summer that I really, you know, it's also fun once you're fit, because then you're just kind of like maintaining fitness. So I got to go back to Maine um, for a few weeks in between those uh, East Coast races. And, and I was training, but I wasn't, um, you know, trying to build fitness. So oh, that's fun. Yeah. yeah, that Yeah, so it was so, so much fun. So like now that I kind of got to do all that. And then I took some downtime. And now it's like, okay, now we can build this fitness slowly and then um, get to do the same thing all over again. And yeah, but I feel like if you try to like skip steps or, um, or don't do it properly, that's when, um, you know, the injuries or the fatigue start to happen. Okay. So what is, what's giving you life right now in your, your transition and deciding not to do those races and just like outside of running, what is lifting you up? Okay. Uh, what has built me up like besides like the running and all that is just being around amazing people out in in Flagstaff first and foremost um I have Holly like I said staying with me so it's so great we have an awesome group of women out here right now actually Terrence and his wife Jen are out here and a few of his athletes so I've had them around for the past few weeks and then obviously I always have Preston he's back and forth between here and Phoenix. So in a way, like, because even though my family isn't in Arizona, I have, I have a, a form of family here. So that's definitely what, what brings me up and keeps me going. And yeah, so it's been, I mean, I can't say it's been tough, like making this decision not to run these races. Cause I just had, I just had such, such a fun summer. And I feel so fortunate that I did all those races that like, in a way it's kind of nice to just kind of take pressure off and, um, and get to, to kind of focus on, on my body and myself and doing those small things right now without, without stressing about racing. Um, where is Preston's family from? They're originally from Billings, Montana. So then what will you guys do for the holidays? Cause you're up on the East coast and he's Montana. Where will you guys go? Yeah. So for Thanksgiving, I believe, so his parents have a place in Arizona, like it's like their winter house. So his mom's actually here right now and his dad's coming down. So we're either going to just do, um, Thanksgiving down in Phoenix. We'll do something there if they're here. And then his mom had also talked about, cause he has a sister and, um, nieces and nephews as well. So if, if that's the case and they go back home, we might just take a quick flight over there for a few days it's so much easier to get to Billings for like two days versus going all the way to Maine. Yeah. What's the flight to Billings? You could actually, so we do have a direct flight out of Mesa. Um, if you really want to get a direct, but you can also fly just out of like Phoenix. It, and it's, I mean, it's like, you do have to stop, but I think the full travel is just a couple hours. Yeah. And you're Maine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's like, I, it, that's the only thing that's tough. Like, it, it's it's a full day there and and back Jeez, so yeah yeah you really that's why I feel fortunate that like I went home this summer for like a few weeks and then depending on what my um race schedule looks like this winter I'm I'll probably you know take a break maybe in like mm, late January and maybe I'll do like a few weeks out there then and and get to enjoy like the main winter and all that so then will you guys stay in Flagstaff for Christmas that is uh <laughs> that is the uh the uh pressing question yeah. with my um, 
I am. Um, yeah. I'm not quite sure yet. It's just really difficult because now that I'm deciding not to run these races, it, yeah. it's looking, it's looking like I'll, um, run, um, us cross, which is the first week of January. And then Houston half would be the following week. Yeah. So that's kind of, we have our eyes set on those two races and unfortunately, they really don't mesh well with uh, Christmas. So Yeah. Well, the um, Houston half, that's exciting. That's always a really fast race. Yes. So that's kind of what, obviously, a little get, not getting to run this U.S. half champs. But then, you know, now I will get to run Houston half. So that's kind of where the conversation kind of happened with Terrence last mm-hmm. week. Like, yeah, let's scratch the half half champs but let's you know try to get fit and, and run a fast time and and not I mean it's only eight weeks yeah, away it's not, now. not far no and no. a lot of big names usually come out for that race yeah exactly so it'll be yeah you'll have you'll have everyone around so it so if that ends up being my my race plan um we'll probably I'll probably head back to Maine after that mm-hmm. and then do like a nice like 10 day you know, it's still Christmassy out there then. So yeah. see all my, see all my family and, and, and do like maybe like a big dinner. Um, as, as everyone gets older, it's, 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 it's difficult. Like people have their own lives. And, um, I, I, when I was a little bit younger, I was very good about always going home because my grandparents, my dad's side were getting older and, um, they've recently both passed away. So, set of grandparents so yeah I I make a point to every time I go home to to see them but you know they also understand as as we get older and basically have our own own families it is tough to to get home for exactly the holidays so um but they're so great about it when they know that I'm home that they'll plan our own little holidays gosh it's just part of life right like I mean obviously my kids are so young, but I'm like, are, I have already thought about that, you know, yeah. like, and, and you think about it as the person in the middle too. Cause like now in my thirties with young kids and parents, and I, I have one grandparent left and it's like, yeah. yeah, you're just like, well, we have our own life here now. And you know, as a mother, I think about like how my mom feels us not being home, how I will feel, you know, but at the same Uh, time, you want your kids to go live their dreams and do all the things you hope they'll do. So yeah, I mean, it's part of life, but it's, it is hard for everybody. No, it is. And and my mom has a hard time with it because I mean, it's my, my brother is 32 now and he hasn't, you know, missed a Christmas. Like, Mm it's easy because him and his girlfriend live in Maine. So it's like, we've done the same thing like Christmas morning at my parents' house for the past, gosh, I mean, 32 years. Yeah. So I think for my mom, it's a little, it's a little tough for her. But then, you know, when, when we, when I, when I actually talked to her, like, well, let's do it when I can actually be home for a longer period of time versus just like coming in for like a day or two. And it's, it's like stressful and you risk like yeah, and then- getting sick with travel and the stress of that and all right. the things. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why everyone's really good about, you know, if I can plan like a two week stint that I can just be home, then we can see everyone then. So that's, yeah. Instead of trying to rush home for like the actual holiday. Yeah. No, I think that's a great plan. Okay. So what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Well, I listen to your podcast. Thank you. Uh, Nell and Emma, those were your last two that I listened to. I listened to them all. Um, Thank you. 
you're welcome. My favorite. Um, so definitely listen to that. Watching. I know everyone always asks this. I'm not like a super big TV person. I'm like the worst per- <laughs> professional distance runner. Like I don't chill at all. I, <laughs> yeah. Everyone asks what I do all day, but I just have. Do you like clean like, your house all day? I, my house. I have appointments. I go grocery shopping. I like. I, I go to bed early and I wake up early. Yeah. So that's like my thing. But no, I have been watching. We watched like the uh, the newest season of You on Netflix. Oh, is that creepy? Yeah, it wasn't. They kind of got worse as they went on. Like the first season was awesome, and then it kind of you know it's like they stretched it too long. Um, that's with like Pen from Gossip Girl, right? Pen Badgley yeah. or is it, yes. is that right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, we watched that. What else? I've been watching um, Clickbait, which is another Netflix show. Okay, I've seen that. I I haven't seen it. I've, like, just seen the ads for it. Yeah, so, I mean, we have, like, every streaming. I'm a big, I'm a big, like, ABC, you know, uh, Dancing with the Stars. Mm -hmm. So that's right now what I'm watching. And that's, like, kind of dwindling down. I I don't know how many couples are left, but I, um, like, that's on tonight. So I watch that every Monday. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm on right now. Um, and then I have a few of my little Bravo reality TV shows that I'll, I kind of watch as well. Yeah, I mean, those are the best to just have on. Like, that's my favorite. <laughs> my favorite thing to do is, like, get done the big things I need to get done. And then yes. I have, like, an hour where I need to, like, return some emails and, like, casually do things. That is when I want to put something like that on TV and sit on the couch yes. and fire yes. things off, right? Yep. Yeah. So like every night, you know, like I'm, I know Terrence has been like, he's cause like he, like we like lift kind of late. And I was like, it, sometimes we like don't meet till like five o'clock to lift. And I'm like, uh, it's like, I need to be done my dinner by six thirty. Yeah. So like, I, I was like, <laughs> so he always like gives me crap that I'm like, yeah, everyone always says that, but I like to like be done and cleaned everything up before seven. So then like seven to like eight is like when I like watch my show. And yes. Yes. Um, why do you guys wait so late in the day to lift? Okay. So it's all like a very strategic, he's a very big numbers guy for sure. I'm learning this and it all, everything like has a point, which I I love. So if we, um, so like tomorrow we have a workout. So like on Tuesdays, if you work out, you either have to lift like right after, or you have to wait for that like full recovery window you know so that like full like five ish I think in five or six hours yeah so that's like his his like reasoning um because if you don't do that you really don't have any time to like recover you know so he wants us to finish our workout and like go straight to recovering and then do our night session or you know, just do a big morning session. And then obviously you have the rest of the day to recover. Um, what do so you prefer? You- do you prefer to knock it all out at once or wait the five hours? So I, <laughs> I think I thought that I wanted to knock it all out, but we did that on Saturday when we had our Saturday session. And then it does kind of make you a little more tired the next day. Okay. If you don't wait. Um, Exactly. So I think uh, a mix of the two is great. He just doesn't want us like working out, you know, dilly dallying for like two hours and then lifting like mm-hmm. middle of the day because mm-hmm. then you're kind of like not recovering. Which really makes in sense. between. Yes. Yeah. So if I if it was perfect world, I would say, well, let's just work out even earlier. Yeah. So then that time way. But sure. Like, like do your work at nine instead of 11 or when do you do right. the, when do you do the workout? 
Yeah, I mean, because then if you meet at nine, you're really not done till close to like eleven thirty. You're not lifting yeah. until yeah. Four, so then you had a so, but no, I think a, a mix of both, kind of depending on on what the session is. So, um, but yeah, it totally it totally makes sense. But anyways, I'm like, ugh, those nights I have to have something in the crock pot. So, I <laughs> what's your favorite crock pot meal? Oh, so easy. If you want to make it, it's just boneless, skinless chicken thighs. Like buy them at the grocery store, put them in your crock pot, salt, pepper on them, and then a little bit of like minced garlic, and then just sprinkle it with brown sugar, Ooh, like brown just sugar. on the top. And then um, put the cover on and put it on. You could put on low for like you know eight hours, and so good. Do you eat it with like rice or what? Oh yeah, yeah. And then we'll I have like a rice cooker, so we'll just cook rice and then throw some like asparagus in the oven and that's like a staple perfect is that like a recipe that you carried over from your mom or what no I actually shared it with her so now she uses all the time I yeah I I must have found it I look on all the time like on um Pinterest too like I'll just like see like healthy easy recipes um yeah that one's that one's super super easy and then I love Shalane's cookbook so I have like four of Shalane's things like tonight I love her um so easy it's like her salmon salad with like it's like arugula blueberries hazelnuts goat cheese and like asparagus Yum. It's salmon yeah I love arugula it. yeah so she has like a few staples from her like first cookbook that I, I like don't even need it anymore I just will make you know those my heart. I need to I <laughs> yeah. need to flip through the newest one I haven't I haven't really given it a good look yet so I need to flip through it to yeah. Mm-hmm. Get back on the superhero wagon, the superhero muffin. I know those I love, but they take time. So you have to like shave uh-huh. everything. Down. Yeah. If, uh, if there's like two people doing it, it's that it's easy. So does Preston cook too? He will. Yeah. I mean, he's so he's not up here all the time. So he actually, um, is down in Phoenix most of the week. So he left yesterday and he'll come back probably Thursday. Okay. Um, cause mainly all, all of his work is, is down in, in the Valley. Um, but what's yes, the commute? Will... Like how far is Flagstaff from Phoenix? It's like two hours. Yeah. Two hours is not bad. No, no, no. So it's like, I, all of my, like I was just down there last week. So all my like, um, doctors and all that, I, I go down to the to Valley. Phoenix. To... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about books? Are you, are there any new books that you've read that you recommend? Oh, well, I have Obdi's book right here. Oh, we nice. Have, we did a little signing a few weeks ago. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Him and Diane are awesome people. They live right across the street. So, um, we've got to know them pretty well the past couple of years. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I, I really like Diane a lot and I had Obdi on, what over the summer when his his book came out and that was a real honor because he's someone that I've you know he's been in the sport for so long so it was so cool to get to actually talk to him and hear his story oh yeah every everyone loves Abdi and Diane they're so they're just so easy to be around um yeah so that that's the one that it's on my nightstand that I, that I started because I just bought it um when we did that little signing well I feel like I learned so much from the book too because with Abdi it's like he's been around for so long there are just like so many little pieces in the book that even if you've been following running for a long time you've just missed like you don't know all the right. things And he's also a guy who doesn't talk about himself. Yeah. So like, I like, I had 
really very little idea about his like story, you know? So like, he just, he's not somebody that's super about themselves, doesn't put a lot out there. So yeah, I think the book was a great way for, for people to learn more about, like you said, his full story. Okay, we can finish on that note. That's a really mm-hmm. good point that you make because I just saw someone tweet about this. Jonathan Lovett, he hosts the podcast for the long run. He was talking about how like women's running, people say women's running is more exciting to follow right now and it has been for a while. And his point was like, is part of that because women put more out there like so much more storytelling and bringing you along. And I thought, I think, I think that is a big part of it. I mean, part of it is obviously that the U.S. distance running scene for women has just been exploding over the past, you know, decade. But there is something too, and we'll just use Steph Bruce as an example. Yeah. Someone sharing the good, the bad, the hard, the the celebrations, the, you know, her mom just passed away, like how she's been grieving that, like all the things, all the different pieces of her life. But this like, there's this like other kind of person, right? We'll give an Emily Sisson, for example, who just doesn't, doesn't share that much. And she's talked about this before too. It's just like, that's just not her thing. So how do you feel about all of that as someone who's like really, you know, this last year, started to really come up on the professional scene and for your sponsors and fans of the sport and all the things like that's an important piece, right? What do you feel yeah. about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's really difficult. Um, you know, cause we're, we, I've actually talked about this. Like, I feel like I haven't been as present on social media. It's hard when you're not, when you're not racing and training, cause you feel like you don't have as much to share. And I, I kind of fall into that, that like when I'm not like having like all these pictures from races or workouts that I really don't have much to post. Um, but yeah, I think like a mix of, of the, of like a little bit of, of both. So I, yeah, I'm not someone that likes to put absolutely everything out there. Um, but I think I do a good job of mixing like my life outside of running with, with running and, um, yeah, kind of just try to be be as genuine as possible. And if and if I don't want to post, I don't post because I don't have anything to share. So I, I just try to be more like genuine. Yeah, no, I feel that I feel that like I feel like there's this like maybe some people are just kind of like, I don't give a crap. I'm just going to do what I want. Right. But I do feel like there's this pressure like that you have to constantly share, share, share. And that's probably a really healthy way to view it, not feeling like you know, if I don't have anything to say, I'm not going to like make something up and just say something to say something. Yeah. I, I think that just like, like you said, like being, being genuine, not sharing just to share it is also, is also super important. And there's some people that, that like you were saying, like Steph, she does a great job of sharing everything. And, um, and in a way it's kind of like, it also, she's like said that it helps her to share things. So I, um, I, I respect that as well. Yeah. It can be therapeutic for sure. All right, Emily. Well, I'm super excited. I'm glad that you're getting this like little bit of downtime. It sounds like you're starting to ramp things back up though for Houston and, and yeah, you know, the January races. So we'll be cheering for you. Oh, thanks so much. It was great catching up with you and yeah, sharing a little bit of my, uh, my switch in life, even though it's not super dramatic. I'm still, still essentially doing the same thing, just uh, a different, a different sponsor. Yeah. But I mean, I truly do feel like since we last talked like whoa a lot has happened oh for sure you know what but and and I've talked about that and and it's always with the Olympic cycle yeah you see this you see you see the coaching changes you see coaches moving on you see 
brands kind of shifting. So yeah, every, every four years or so I've noticed that this is so normal to happen. And um, yeah, thankfully it's, it's been very positive for me. I'm sure some athletes uh, have it a little bit harder, but yeah, it's, it's always very common to see people making changes. Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Emily, for coming on the show. Go follow Emily if you aren't already doing so. Her Instagram is M-E-M underscore Durgin, D-U-R-G-I-N. Give me a follow as well. I would love to connect with you on Instagram. I love connecting with listeners over there and have been doing some more Instagram lives, trying to be more interactive. I don't know if this real thing, I'll ever be able to get into that, but the Instagram lives I have fun with. Um, I'm Lindsay Hine 626 over there on Twitter. I'm at Lindsay Hine. And then we have a Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. Would love to have you join over there. We have a lot of fun conversations, questions answered. It's a good, good community over there. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network. Check out all of our other shows, sandyboyproductions.com including my new podcast for parents called Why Is Everyone Yelling? All right, friends, have a great rest of your day. Congratulations if you ran the New York City Marathon, Monumental, LA Marathon. I know there were many others, but those are the ones that I've heard most about. Um, Congratulations if you did any of those this weekend. And uh, have a great Friday, a wonderful rest of your weekend. And as always, we'll see you next Friday.